Greetings and salutations! You are listening to the Into North Podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. Yo. Reed, aka Sick Robot. What's up? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, we will be covering tournament prep uh, for CDH tournaments. Um, yeah, but before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Dude, in regards to housekeeping, I've literally been painting a new apartment. Actual <laughs> housekeeping. Hype. Yeah, and uh, finding all sorts of fun stuff behind the uh, appliances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully nothing mummified. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing Hopefully nothing but... alive or dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nothing Once that alive. was that is animate or at one point was animate. Yeah. So far we dodged those bullets. But we did come back one day randomly and like the glass front of the oven had fallen off. Or partially oh, fallen off. Fun. That's yikes. That's that's it turns into a win because we ended up essentially asking for new appliances and we're gonna get those. So. Oh, nice. Oh. Hot. Yeah. Uh what about you guys, Reed, Morgan? Uh I've been dying to add Nas publicly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty uh, funny to watch, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. My uh, or arena ladder reset, um, and I got... Uh, I finished... I ended up camping my uh, top... So I, I think I ended up getting to, like, rank 40 Mythic, and then I just camped it, basically, to till the end of the season. So then I ended up finishing at, like, 150. Uh, so then I got, I've got an invite to the Mythic qualifier whatever the heck that thing is so that's going to be in a i think it's on like the next weekend or something uh i think so uh yeah i'll hopefully be playing in that but uh i'm pretty sure the event is call time sealed which you know i'm not excited for i don't want to i don't like sealed is you just get so much less control over your outcome and so you can't like meta game for the you can't pick like the best anti meta deck or you know the best deck that you're comfortable. It's like you just open what you open and you know pray that it's good enough. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. Are you allowed to have the entire Gitrug server yelling in your ear? Yeah, probably. probably <laughs> That's not. probably what's gonna happen. You're probably gonna just probably stream the entire that. event. What? I mean, there's no way. <laughs> like that's outside assistance, right? Is that I don't know the rules of the thing. Yeah, so you should probably check who's asking. Yeah. Are you a judge? In fact, that's, <laughs> yes, that's very relevant. To what we're none of you, you better. To, none yeah. of you listeners better rat on me. Okay. You have to tell me if you're a judge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll we'll release this episode after uh, Lennon received his prizes. Yeah. 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 Lennon is actually just violating like all the rules that we're about to go over. <laughs> no podcasting about the event. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Morgan, anything from you? Not really, to be honest. Okay, then. <laughs> well, <laughs> without further ado, let's jump into He's housekeeping. It. <laughs> uh, and housekeeping t- uh, uh, today, we've got a new patron uh, who, this one has been a long time coming because he should have been a patron months and months and months ago, and that's uh, yeah. Jordan. Uh, so he has become a new patron after losing a bet to me. Like, I don't even remember how many More months than ago. Half we showed it up. We, we called him out on the podcast. 
But you know what? He's Multiple finally times, in fact. He's finally a man of his word. So you know what? Good for you, Jordan. Thanks for thanks for becoming a patron. Of course. <laughs> you rock. You rock. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, new developments. Morgan, the floor is yours. Oh yeah, I just I just get to flex a little bit. Uh, at the last uh, tier one con tournament, I, uh, I I catapulted myself to the head of the most influential Gitrog pilot of the decade rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, by oh, wow. <laughs> I uh, I posted a poll and uh, said what deck should I play, and then the Frog server brigaded it, and uh, so I wound up playing Gitrog and took it to second place, and got to watch Reed die to his Atnaz. Yeah, I'm not Notably- sure which of those was the highlight, to be honest. <laughs> right on. Notably- I'm, I'm a fan of, of Gitrog performing well. Uh, how did you mean- find it in the tournament overall? Is it as bad as you, you know, claim it is all the time? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, it was, it was uh, just basi- that everybody else was playing worse decks. Yeah, ba- basically, I either... <laughs> one very early with minimal interaction or uh like one off the back of like very obvious play mistakes for my opponents and that, those were the two outcomes like of Dude, of my wins those. like there Man. were not it was not a win is a win i mean yeah a win is a win but certainly i didn't feel like i was winning because my deck was like doing things that other decks couldn't or like was giving me a lot of opportunities um, i suppose the important thing is that your deck didn't prevent you from doing any sure of those that's, yeah. that's like, an incredibly low bar yeah that's that's <laughs> not really uh really a, much of a qualifier um but yeah it's uh, and then i guess in the finals pod it definitely felt like when i was playing against people who had been playing well that day and were on every single yeah it was just like a bunch of like three plus color decks often i mean i guess there was one there was the there was the thrasius rograk uh poly tyrant deck but then there were two deck by the way then there were two sans white like nas console whatever decks and definitely did not feel good in that pod yep I know those. Uh, I know that those feelings. <laughs> you just feel powerless to do anything against Consult or Adnaz decks in your Golgari deck. Yeah, there was there was a point. There was like a giant counter war being fought with like Rhystic Studies and Mystic Remoras. <laughs> I just took out one of my. I took out one of my uh, um, like blank tokens. And I think I just wrote Golgari L O L and just put it out. <laughs> 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 the classic. And you're there for yeah, moral like, support. Yeah. <laughs> cast this as Swan Song, Dispel, Deflecting so I'm like, yeah, you guys have fun. <laughs> uh cool. Uh so into the main topic of the show, which as I said before, is tournament prep slash CDH tournaments. Um Okay. First thing we've got to discuss, we we've kind of broken it down into categories. We've got uh and deck choice, card choice, um, you know, evaluating the current meta and, and you know, whatever the meta is going to be for the tournament, uh, things to do on the day of the tournament, and then some one-off tips. Um, so, yeah, ho- ho- kind I, of guiding you through the process in roughly, yeah, chronological order. 
Um, cool. So, so yeah. first things first, deck choice. Uh, yeah. Reed, do you want to... This is your point, yeah. right? So, so this is this is the big one. Um, well, okay. So, I, I feel like we should talk about deck choice in the more general sense first. Because there's, there's a certain... <laughs> There is a certain choice that you have to make when picking a deck for a tournament. This I have to word this very carefully. <laughs> um, Don't leave it up to a poll. <laughs> yeah, so first first of all, leaving it up to a vote is not an option. Never do that. Um, the second thing is that there are two options. One is you play the good deck, or the second option is you play the deck that you're the most comfortable with. And or the deck that you like the most. <laughs> depending on how you view it. Um, so, really, it's whether or not you are comfortable in your ability to play the best deck in the format, or what you perceive as the best deck in the format, or whether you just want to play the deck that you're the most comfortable with that you think can do okay. So, um, so some important things to realize is, like, the people who can really play any deck and the kinds of people who play the best decks in the format are usually... when you and they're successful doing that are like pro players people who can play any deck right but even what was kind of important to notice is that or, even or, among pro honestly. players there are people who still play decks that they've have a ton of experience with yeah right so you i think like like reed duke obviously notorious you know, jund player um and and there's lots of people who you know comfortable with you know very specific archetypes and they'll always take um those to tournaments so having a lot of reps with the deck and being extremely comfortable with it will take you a long way. Um, and even even if you're, you know, really skilled, you, it it's hard to immediately just want to be like, well, I think, you know, Drastios Timna X is the, you know, whatever, console CST mid-range is the best deck in the format. I'm just going to take this deck with zero experience. Even if you're completely correct that it's the best deck and, you know, it's the most well-suited for the tournament, the lack of experience can can uh, set you back uh, quite a lot. Yeah, you need to be able to play with it. And, like, the whole thing is, like... Yeah, typically the people who, like, just pick up whatever the best deck is currently or whatever they perceive as the best deck currently are typically people with, like, a breadth of experience playing a lot of different styles of decks and generally, like, have the fundamentals to pick that up. Whereas, like, that may not be the case if you've dedicated a lot of your time to a specific strategy and it may just be a better idea to stick with that strategy. Um, yeah that that being said like i think it's also it's probably not a bad idea to like try especially because um for cdh because like a lot of the tournaments you know the deck registration is like very 11th hour so if you're if it's weeks out from a tournament and you think okay i think you know uh some you know grixis consultation nas whatever is the best thing to be doing, um, but that's not what I'm comfortable with. You know, I play Urza. You could certainly, like, just try and get a few reps in with a Grixis deck, and, like, if you do wind up taking it, then that's good because you have some some real practice um, and you, you know, have learned stuff about it. Or you might just learn, like, okay, I, I you know, I'm very unfamiliar with this deck. I don't feel like I know what I'm supposed to be doing in giving game states, so, like, maybe, you know, I should just stick with what I know. 
Um, so, like, definitely, you know, this isn't an evaluation that you have to make purely sort of, uh, like, idealistically. You know, you can, you can try the deck that you're thinking about switching to in a non-tournament setting and see how you feel. And I would yeah. encourage, I would encourage doing that. Like, and also just because that helps you, yeah. It helps you just, like, get a gain a better understanding of how decks work. And just, like, playing a variety of the um, of the meta decks or the decks that have high representation just give you a better idea of also how to play against them and gives you more insight into how to play the decks that you already know, all that good stuff. Um, so I definitely agree with Morgan here and encourage playing a lot of different strategies in like no stakes situations just to gain experience and then like if you happen to like them great bring it to your tournament the one thing i think um that it's important so it's it's really important to stay to pick a deck that you're comfortable with um kind of that's the best case scenario now if your deck is, i think that's a good rule of thumb if the deck is either well positioned or kind of neutrally positioned if this, the deck that you're comfortable with is actively in a bad position in kind of the overall meta. Um, like a good example would be if you're not playing Hulk into the Hulk meta, where everyone is on Graft Digger's Cages, Rest in Peace, um, you know, these kinds of hate pieces. If you're playing some uh, non-Hulk deck that can't... Uh, uh, can't be a Graft Digger's Cage. Yeah, like, you're you're, you're, not, you're not built you're on that, like, you know, yeah. speed and... Uh, resiliency of, of Hulk decks. If you're playing something like a, a grindy Marin deck, like you're in for a very bad time, even if you've got lots of reps. So that's a kind of situation where you might want to look at switching a deck. And yeah, as uh, Morgan Reed was saying, the earlier you can kind of recognize that and start getting in reps, uh, the better. Cool. Um, I think that's we've got some other points here for uh, deck choices we've got strategy win cons and commanders um so th that was kind of a more broad overview on on selecting a deck uh instead of what goes into when you're picking a deck so like say you're not just going to go with your most comfortable thing you maybe want to build a deck from the ground up you're looking for a deck um if, if you're on more of a deep level, if you're not just looking for, like, the best deck in the format to bring to a thing, but maybe you're looking for what you might consider to be the best position deck to bring to a tournament, um, it's sort of like the three categories that you'd be looking at would be strategy, win cons, and commanders for um, sort of piecing together a deck to bring to a tourney, where you're sort of looking for a strategy that you think does well into your perceived idea of what the meta is going to look like, uh, win cons that do well and sort of match that strategy and then commanders to help all of it and that you also think will do pretty well or either do that or shore up weaknesses in your strategy and win cons areas yeah that, and honestly i think a strategy kind of we'll talk about it a lot in our next sections um because i think it does kind of come down to specific card choices and the meta certainly in the end yeah uh so i think that's that's probably good for deck choices for now. The whole deck choices section is going to be informed by a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in uh, card choices, which are our next section. But and before we get the into that... relevant meta stuff, but yeah. True. Um, before we get into that, I, I kind of realized that we should probably uh, give some of our credentials on why people should even listen to us for tournament prep regarding CDH. Because there's some of our newer listeners might not realize kind of the extensive resumes of some of the people on the podcast 
No, myself, I haven't played in a CD <laughs> some of the people in a while. The so you know, I, I'm kind of going off of some tournament experience I have. Um, somewhat in Magic, I, I have some tournament experience playing like Hearthstone, things like that. But uh, you know, Reed, Morgan, Matt, you know, <laughs> just take this opportunity to flex. <laughs> I have won fifty percent of all tournaments I've entered. CD. <laughs> Pretty, I mean, he's uh, got he's got a point. Uh, <laughs> I I do love that. I just want to say I do love to have like everybody else in this on the bench here in the seats was totally okay with just bypassing that and just doing this episode anyway. And Noob specifically wanted to show yeah. everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we did start this whole podcast off with a flex. Okay, look. <laughs> How many wins do you guys have? How many top pod finishes do you guys have? Just you know, spit it out there. Uh, some just lost track at this point. I actually so don't many. super remember. I'm in double digits, I think, but I guess it depends on how big you. Yeah, like, what it, counts it as a tournament? Like, yeah, how um, large the tournament is. <laughs> um, but definitely, I have a pretty solid number, and then like I don't know, probably five, I think, and then a few more like top eight type. Uh, yeah finishes and yeah i definitely so i've i've won a few ch tournaments in the hulk era and sort of like pre oracle hulk era um and then i've been sort of inactive recently but you know still entering here and there um and then yeah i have a fair number of uh top pod finishes as well along with those i think i've scrubbed out in a cdh tournament once i scrubbed out once when I got, like, I fully scrubbed out once when I lost my first game uh, to, I think it was just a bad pairing. But the second game, I had to play 3DH against a mid-power-ish, like, stacks deck and a Zer deck. And I had to stop the Zer deck from winning because I was playing, like, a blue interactive deck. And then we just got locked under, like pain reflection and like just <laughs> all these terrible cards and i was like i can't stand this <laughs> hey you yeah. also scrubbed out of the time twisted <laughs> tournament right i guess i did oh, yeah don't worry i'm always i'm always here to remind <laughs> always, <you. there. laughs> always there to humble me yeah, just uh just how, keep me my roots flashback to the canadian commander championships uh, oh Matt Morgan, you guys made the final spot on that, but you know, didn't neither of you yeah. won that, correct? Just to correct. Uh, yeah, the guy uh, who no. opened Land Crypt Skull Clamp Sylvan Library wound up winning that one. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of tournament experience and success uh, on this podcast among the co-hosts. So you know, definitely. Definitely some. If, oh, if, you're, I, if I was to get advice, I forgot, if I had to wait, go I, into God, the community and get advice from fucking... anyone, you know, probably Morgan and uh, Reed and Matt definitely. Th that was yeah. this was supposed to be what I was supposed to show my rank stats. God. <laughs> See, it's kind of a shame we don't do last names on the podcast, so we can't bring back the round one nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. I, 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 do, I do just no. Sorry, I will. No. I will say. Um, I think probably my biggest credential in this facet is ending uh, a rank season on the uh, at the time when the um, CDH subreddit server was one of the largest gameplay servers, uh, ending 250 elo points above anybody else. <laughs> 
was great. Yeah. Well, doesn't really have anything to do with tournaments, but you know the flex, I guess, is always. Appreciated. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> hey, have anything to do with it, tournaments. It's I'm just trying to make Reed look bad. Okay. <laughs> so the uh, next section after the. I mean, if you're uh, 250 points above everyone else, is it really competitive? Oh god, <laughs> let's be. I mean, it wasn't. Let, let's remain. Was let's let's be somewhat humble, guys. Please. It's it's the flex cast. Uh, yeah. So yeah, next category we have is <laughs> card choices. London. Okay, sorry, okay. We should okay, actually card card get this segue. Yeah. So, um, our first first bullet point here is expected hate. So, you know, who... who so one of you guys, let's, uh, let's start running through this. Well, so, okay. So, sort of past... I guess before we get into, like, the super specific stuff here, um, I'd say for card choices in general, it's sort of just, like, first of all, just tweaking your deck and making it fit your play style, um... Like, just taking a stock list and running with it, like, works, but you're not going to get the best results with that. And a lot of the, like, incremental taking percentage points and um, building up to, like, performing fairly consistently is whenever you are taking a deck and, um, like, taking a newish deck or, like, a new shell or whatever and playing it in a tournament is making alterations to it to fit your playstyle, right? Because... Stock lists on whatever the database that people just post to servers, whatever, are going to be either generic lists or they're going to be tuned to their experience or their meta. And you really should just, in general, as a general rule, take those lists, test with them a bit, and then make card swaps to make them closer to what you want to play. Yeah, I'd say as like all of this is is good, but I think it's also important to like. Um, exercise all of these things in moderation unless you're like very confident that you know what you're doing um it's sort of easy it, it's the it's a similar thing with um with sideboarding in in like other formats where people who are new like every matchup they side out like eight cards and side in eight cards and it's like okay you should probably you know be doing like three or four um and it's a similar thing here. Like, if you start changing a huge number of things in the deck, um, assuming it's, like, reasonably well-designed to start with, you can definitely start encountering problems. Um, so, you know, swapping, like, a couple pieces of interaction, like, oh, I think I'm going to see, you know, uh, more creatures that stop me than enchantments, so, like, I'm going to, you know, go down on, like, one piece of artifact or enchantment removal for a, an extra piece of creature removal... Or, like, for a bounce spell, you know, that's more, like, generic, even if it's temporary. Um, things like that, you know, are obviously fine and can definitely help you if you sort of guess right. But when you start taking out, like, just a whole bunch of cards, um, then, you know, you, you certainly start to damage the integrity of the deck as it initially existed. And if you're starting from what other people have determined is a good base that's generally not ideal this is a common one for me early you kind of used to be and uh which is uh, slowly in a meta with that's heavily stacked especially with like blood moons and uh back to basics to slowly move my land base over to basic lands i found is like a slippery slope where you get to the point where you actually can't consistently cast your spells i don't know if you guys have ever experienced this not that specifically, but yeah, I, I certainly like <laughs> sort of yeah have seen some some similar stuff where like you start you start trimming like 
I mean, for me, the thing that I always do is I trim cantrips, and it's bad, and I know I shouldn't. Um, and <laughs> then it's like, oh, you actually don't have any of them, yeah. and then, like, your hand, every, like, things just become a lot less smooth. Like, um, you're now mulligating to five every game because you don't have any consistency pieces, and you're just like, well, I guess I'm just trying to high roll now. I mean, it's probably not that extreme, but... And, <laughs> but, and that's you know, another thing, you, you, another thing to keep in mind. You're like, the average mulligans, which is, like, typically not a good thing. Yeah, and, and another thing to keep in mind is that a single card swap is actually very unlikely to make a difference in a given tournament, unless it's, like, a card that you are very much expecting or want to be able to be tutoring for. Yeah, um, yeah the, the really impactful things uh, can be tutor targets. Like, if you're, if you're in, I think, when Morgan was getting ready for his Gitrog uh, deck for the tournament, we discussed... Um, Caustic Caterpillar as a card to potentially put back in if he's concerned about specific artifacts or enchantments because when you put in a Caustic Caterpillar, when you put in some form of creature-based uh, artifact enchantment removal, you're essentially adding like 10 copies of the card, right, through all the different creature tutors in the deck. So, you know, toolbox cards like that can actually, even though they're a single card swap, can make a big difference. But if you're putting in, you know, the eighth copy of, of Counterspell, Versus the seventh copy, no, not not that big of a difference. Well, I'd, I'd say less about counter magic and more about like removal because you're. It's very rare that you'll be tutoring for counter magic. I feel like, um, whereas like, the first swords to plowshares, is a lot better than like the second like creature bound spell or whatever, um, as like a hard removal piece. Yeah, de definitely. Um... If you're just like not any, if you're not on any like hard creature removal in your deck, and you expect to see creatures, it's going to be very impactful to add like the single copy of swords rather than just like going up to three copies. Like you're gonna yeah, see actually, like fewer marginal returns on it. Free tip from me to you: put swords to plowshares in your deck. Yeah. So actually, we were, <laughs> so, we were maybe we should save that for the current relevant meta. But yeah, um, um just do it. Okay. Anyway, I feel like I feel like we're probably at a point where we can now get into the expected hate section with you know like that all out of the way. Um, Go so ahead, read read your quotes sort of... that you've gotten that you put down. <laughs> we're not there yet. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Stop swirling the surprise. Um, uh, so first of all, uh, we sort of wanted to talk about I think how do you actually you know beat the expected hate that you're gonna see. So once you have this list of it, and it's sort of okay. Maybe maybe we should back up again and go over like how to expect hate, <laughs> um, which is a hard thing to answer because we're basically getting down to how do you predict meta games in like any game, which is always a predicting is thing. hard. Yeah, particularly of the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's hard for us to tell you like. It's, it's hard for us to tell you if you ask about this, like, well, how am I supposed to, like, what hate am I supposed to expect all this stuff? Because, honestly, that's really about your own experience. If we knew exactly how to predict hate, we'd probably also know exactly how to predict the stock market, and we'd be making a lot of money, and we'd be making a Match of the Gathering podcast for a very fringe format. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's, it's really just gut feelings and sort of trying to puzzle out what you think people are going to be playing. Um, and it's a very personal process, I think. I like I, I, I mean, share I very little of that when I'm actually 
because I feel like it changes from tournament to, to tournament what I'm actually thinking about um, what hate I'm going to see and how I want to build decks. And it, it definitely does. And I mean, sometimes you are just blind. Um, like you're you're going into a tournament, you know, in an unknown. Like say you were going to like a, a Grand Prix back when those were a thing. And there was going to be a tournament. I mean, I know they didn't have real CDH tournaments, but if there was one, like, realistically, it's very difficult to know what to expect. You know, you're going to get, like, some people coming in, you know, trying to spike the event with whatever is considered meta decks, probably from an online meta. You're also going to get a bunch of local players who want to, like, try their hand. You're probably going to get a bunch of mid-power decks who, like, you know, joined just to see, you know, what they could do. Um... So, like, something like that might be very difficult to predict, but that being said, okay, you have, you know, if you have ideas of, like, what's meta, then you can generally come up with ideas of what's anti-meta. So, like, right now, or j during Hulk era, you know, as an example, um, one of the hate pieces that you could expect to be seeing a lot of was, I mean, thing anything that hated on Hulk, usually Grafdigger's Cage and Rest in Peace were, like, the biggest two. Um, so, like that's you know that that's reasonably obvious that like okay people are gonna if if flash Hulk is is the boogeyman people are gonna be bringing things to deal with that maybe i should try and avoid collateral damage like maybe in a flash hulk meta you know razakats isn't like the best thing to be doing <laughs> yes <laughs> um but then like you know now maybe you're thinking okay usually like grixis based turbo Nas type things are the best so what am i going to be seeing well probably uh like the two things that hate on those are like you know spell limitation effects so things like rule of laws but also tax effects to a certain extent um so do i have a plan through those and then also artifact hate um do i have a plan through that you know and maybe etb hate but that's certainly you know something we haven't seen as much of even in so-called anti-meta decks um so, so you know, you, you can certainly, like, try and work out uh, what's the most obvious anti-meta stuff you might be facing. You can also look for previous, you know, like, there, there sometimes are data points. For example, I didn't really know what to expect going into the first Tier 1 con, but going into the second Tier 1 con, um, I, you know, tailored my expectations a little bit based on the first one. And, like, the, the decks I faced weren't the same. But some of the things that were overrepresented at the first tier one con were overrepresented at the second tier one con, which was made up of a lot of the same players, and that that was not surprising to me. Um, so if you know there have been previous tournaments, or you understand like it's a local tournament and you have some experience in the local metagame, um, you know you can certainly use all the information that's available to you to to make the best guesses you can. Yeah, I would also say for, like, online tournaments, um, looking at where the tournament is based out of, usually you'll see uh, online tournaments be associated with a gameplay server, a community server, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they won't just be standalone tournaments. Um, if you have a general idea of what the meta looks like on that server specifically or in that community, uh, that can also be an indication of what you might see going into the tournament. Um, just, you know, having, like just prior information having the idea of like what composition of people are going to be entering is um sort of a good indicator as well and you can sort of drag information out of that too 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of amalgamating information from a lot of sources and trying to generate some types of assumptions out of it. If I can offer some advice from my experience playing in uh, TESPA Hearthstone tournaments, uh, one thing, the, the TESPA tournaments were uh, split into like a round where you know every you needed to win so many games from for what i guess it's like a, a swiss uh and then it would go into like different you know stages of tournaments it's you know morgan you guys were talking about you know picking meta anti-meta the thing on during the swiss portion the first thing you need to do is you need to make it to the next level and Generally, what I found, and I'm sure Morgan can, because I played with Morgan in these tournaments, can attest to, is that picking the strongest deck into the wide open meta of Swiss, where you it's just super hard to predict, was kind of the best strategy. Going anti-meta and things like that were more things that we would do when you know we got out of Swiss and we started playing against you know the more or less cream of the crop um, players. And that's when we'd start going into the anti-meta strategies. But even when we start going into the anti-meta strategies, it's important not to get too deep into your head about, well, you know, if, if they're going anti-meta, uh, you know, I've got to go anti-anti-meta, and then, you know, it goes, it's anti-anti-meta all the way down, right? You, you, don't want to, you don't want that to happen. Really, what I've found is that it's, anti-meta is kind of where the buck stops. You, you can usually get away with just, anti-meta uh being you know that's that's you don't you don't need to go too many layers deep just the single layer of targeting what you think the best decks are is generally a pretty good strategy rule of thumb and then what's important is if you don't have if you're not able to switch your decks between um you know some preliminary swiss round and then you know day two if you've got to stick with the same deck list uh make sure that your anti-meta deck can actually win the game right because if you're if you're like well everyone's gonna be bringing Hulk so I'm gonna bring uh, my super specific anti Hulk Anafenza deck. Well, if your Anafenza deck can't uh, you know compete with the kind of random decks that people are bringing because uh, it's their pet deck or it's the deck they're comfortable with, then you're not gonna make day two. You need to make sure that your deck is individually strong, um, and then worry about targeting the meta second. Yeah, and I would say every layer you go deeper, you have to go like one one you know uh, less macro in what you're choosing. So like if you think an anti-meta deck is viable, that's fine. And if you're like looking at anti anti-meta stuff, that's probably more about card choices, right? Like like for as an example, I don't think you should like be picking a deck that's super strong into like rule of laws and artifact hate. If we assume Rule of Laws and Artifact Hate are, like, current anti-meta, picking a deck that's super strong into Rule of Laws and Artifact Hate um, is a bold call because you might just run into, like, a triple turbo nose pod and then be like, well, just sad. this is not great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, for example, maybe that means you want to be putting, like, a Force of Vigor in your deck. If you're like, okay, I, you know, there's going to be turbo nose, so I'm playing Interaction for that, or I'm playing some sort of, like, fast deck... Um, but I might have a problem with rule of laws and artifact hate. You know, maybe that's when you put in a couple extra pieces of of permanent removal or whatever um, to sort of tech against like like as a hedge 
but don't one thing, tailor your entire deck to beat it. Yeah. Well, the kind of rule that we we did a lot in in Tespa at least was pick the anti-meta deck, and then you know you talked about you know rule of laws and stuff. Well, your deck is generally good with rule of laws, a rule of law deck itself, right? So one thing that you can actually do to give yourself a bit of edge against other people who might decide to go anti-meta is include some cards that help you break the mirror. Um, so when we did when we did Tespa, there was a was it like Murloc Paladin or something oh was the God, best deck, the, the and we crabs. ended up we ended up putting in uh, the I think every single list we submitted had two of the Murloc Crab eating for, cards for context. Like just just a card that hard counters specifically one other strategy. Yeah, yeah. like it. Yeah. it but so we were we were yeah. like playing the the anti meta deck that also could try and beat the mirror. Um, yeah, and yeah, so like it's it's all these different layers of um, do I need to go over the meta deck? Okay, do I also need to go over the other anti meta deck? Can I do them both at the same time? Is there like a composition of certain card choices that yeah. I make to do all of this? It's not a binary choice. No. There isn't just meta anti meta and. There are, there are obviously multiple interpretations of anti-meta in itself, but there is, you know, the the, the union of meta and anti-meta isn't the full set of uh, available deck. Yes. Um, anyway, I feel like we do have enough background now to go in and talk about expected hate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, about talking about our actual topic. Um, so... So we have a couple of subcategories. Um, one thing that we did want to talk about was the question of how do you beat the hate that you're expecting to see? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, this could be as simple as my deck doesn't care about the hate that I'm expecting to see, so I beat it by default. Or it can be as horrible as my deck is hard countered by the expected hate that I'm expecting to see, which, first of all, why are you playing that deck? But if you are playing that deck, um, you now need to figure out, like, what card swaps you need to make and what your play patterns are going to look like against it. Um, I know Morgan had words yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. Um, in terms of like the, in terms of play patterns in particular, um, you need to like, if you are expecting to encounter hate pieces that, that really do stop you in your tracks, um, you should have a plan. E like, even if that plan isn't, you know, winning the game in the short term, um, having a plan of what you're doing for a couple reasons. First of all, you don't want to be um, sort of spending your resources in the wrong ways. Like, you know, you you know, if you're, you know, some people they see a hate piece that stops them from winning, and so, and they just they don't really think about anything else. They just go like, okay, well, I need to find a way to get that out of play. So then, like, you know, they have Demonic Tutor, they're like, well, this is going for Abrupt Decay. That's just what's happening here. And that's definitely not always right. Um, it's good to be able to evaluate, do other people at the table need this out of play? Um, can how I, urgently do I need this out of how play? How urgently do I need this out of play? Yeah, is there something else? Like, let's say it's a rule of law and you're playing some, you know, Grixis, Nas deck. Um, and you go like, well, okay, I don't have this, like, um, yeah, I can't cast Ad Nauseam into a rule of law. I mean, you can cast it into a rule of law. <laughs> You're allowed not to a cast good card. You probably should a good card yeah. into a rule of law. Um, but, like, okay, well, could I find, you know, maybe Hullbreacher is, like, something that I want to be doing here. I think somebody else is going to cast a wheel, or I think, um, I think maybe even I can set up a wheel, um, 
you know, people are tapping low because they're not expecting interaction or like maybe it's not a rule of law, it's a trinosphere, right? And you're like, okay, there's probably going to be an opportunity where I can just end step a Hellbreacher and then play a wheel or, or something like that. Um, or maybe I do just go for the Adnos because I, you know, that other deck at the table, they also need that rule of law gone. And they're playing green, so like they have a much easier time. They have an to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... Like, I'm just going to, you know, be ready for when it goes away. Um, and the other thing is, you want to know what you're doing when a hate piece comes down, because uh, most tournaments have some sort of round timer. And uh, one of the things that's, like, very frustrating is uh, a stacks piece comes down, and essentially you have to reevaluate all the capabilities of your deck, because you don't really know. Like, if you're not super comfortable with all the pieces of your deck and you just have like a small set of play patterns when those get disrupted suddenly like it's like there's a rule of law you can only cast one spell why is your turn why is everyone's turn taking like two minutes like it should just be like okay draw my card cast my spell pass like there's not a lot else to be doing here um and that's definitely like a big thing in tournaments uh and then you know there's a lot of pressure like round people will start to like push you to play faster especially as the round time draws near um and then, sets you know, in and... <laughs> and be vocal about it like early you know don't yeah. be yeah. rude but certainly like it's especially in a situation where time is of the essence you absolutely need to be vocal about if that. somebody's yeah. like if somebody's eating up the <laughs> clock unnecessarily it's almost like they're directly affecting your life total in a way because they're just like directly getting closer and closer to taking points off your plate that you yeah, might potentially they're need threatening to your wins right like <laughs> yeah they're, they're threatening your win and like that's unfortunate they're yeah. just like they're, we'll... they're creeping a hand toward your chicken nuggies and you gotta bat him away <laughs> and get him to go away <laughs> but yeah i definitely like obviously you can't necessarily control what other people do but you can definitely control what you do um, and if even two, like, if two of the four players in a pod are playing quickly, you know, usually then, like, they can also, you know, nudge the others into playing at least faster. Um, so as long as you know what you're doing, usually the person who plays the stacks, um, knows what their deck does under the stacks. Um, so, like, then you can sort of hope to <laughs> allow the game to progress at a more reasonable pace. Um, but it's just something you should be comfortable with. And also because if somebody else starts hurrying you, like that's, then you start feeling pressure. Um, and then that's when it becomes really easy to make mistakes. So you just want to avoid that situation in general. Cool. Cool. So, you know, I alluded to this earlier, but I think Reed time for your, uh, your quotes that you have written down? <laughs> Correct. So the other side of the coin for expected hate uh, that we haven't really talked about yet is the expected lack of hate. So if you don't think that there's going to be um, some set of hate, maybe in the current meta, you're not particularly expecting to see something like a cursed totem or something like a rest in peace or something like that. Something oh, to that rest, I was going to say rest in peace yeah. is like all time, time is so yeah. Uh, may maybe you're not currently <laughs> expecting to see a blood moon. I know I'm not. Um, Dark side is incredibly good into blood moon. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are willing to play that card right now. Um, there's, there's a quote by miles Davis that goes, um, 
in jazz, it's not the notes you play, it's the notes you don't play. <laughs> and oh, fantastic wow. quote gets <laughs> gets across the exact point that I'm looking at here, um, which is basically, if you're expecting a lack of a specific type of hate, take a look at your deck and see if there's cards that you can get away with cutting because you're not expecting that hate. So if you have this line that uh, in your deck, this wooden line that's like, okay, I'm playing this because this deck absolutely needs a way to work through a uh, rest in peace because otherwise I just can't win through a rest in peace. And I'd rather have the backup win con than have to go for removal and go through my regular win con. If you're not expecting a rest in peace, maybe you can get away with cutting it. Maybe you can get away with cutting your thing that specifically loses to your uh, doesn't lose the curse totem, but you wouldn't be playing anyway because you don't really think it's that great. Maybe you can get away with cutting your basic lands because you're not expecting a blood moon. There's all these little, little choices that you can make to sort of streamline your deck and maybe make room for cards that might suit the meta better or cards that you can then like strip out and use the card slots for cards that streamline your strategy more. Yeah, I think, you know, this kind of analysis and making you know slight refinements to your deck, um, making making sure you're picking a deck you're comfortable with and you've got play advantage. It all it all kind of boils down to, I guess, is more common with sixty card where the tournaments are much bigger and you have you're expected to see multiple people bringing kind of the same almost exact same list. You've got to figure out how you're going to separate yourself from the pack because if if you know let's say you're you're showing up to a GP and you you know you're bringing standard mono green tron and uh you know there's a ton of other people who are also bringing the same list what how are you going to get to the the day two how are you going to get to top eight like how how is this going to happen for you well it it could be slight optimizations in the list it could be optimizations in play but you've got to do something that's going to make you step above the rest otherwise it's just kind of dice rolling so if you're expecting that you know you're going to take your thrasios timna list your stock cst list you know, what what are the choices you can make you know as reed was saying maybe you can remove some cards to fit in whatever you know tech you want you've got to figure out some way to make sure that you can be you know above the rest of your uh, competition who are bringing the same sort of or got the same sort of idea as you um and i think that you, is you had a it. quote lyndon <laughs> what? Oh, I'm, quote? I'm bringing it yep yeah, right? possibly Fair. one of the most famous oh, okay. icons. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone through deck choices and card choices. So at this point uh, in the tournament prep stage, you've got your deck list solidified, ideally. And, you know, <laughs> I've got, I've, in, in the show format. notes, it's just written down <laughs> Santa Claus. You know, you've got your list, yeah. check it twice. Uh, you, you might be missing the Imperial Seal or the Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, do you want to you speak to the importance out. of checking your list twice? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. I once didn't play Imperial Seal and won a tournament, so I feel... And, and like... just to check, was that a deliberate choice? Uh, you, you know, who knows, you know? He is yeah, I feel like when you're building <laughs> a list... strictest definition. Unfortunately, both of the times Reed has done this, <laughs> like, it, it combined teaches it a very bad matter. lesson. Because when he didn't catch the mistake, he won. And when he caught the mistake, he didn't win. So it's just... Well, isn't, but, okay, also, isn't there, like, a, a famous anecdote in, uh, like, professional magic where someone, uh... Well, like, some pro player had a list... Yeah, so, LS, so LSV, LSV was playing a 
uh, Ant Storm list with uh, Burning Wishes oh, for, bur- yeah, yeah, yeah. for uh, yeah. Tendrils in the Sideboard as the win condition, and got through, I think, all of the Swiss rounds of the tournament into day two by going off of his Storm turn as usual. For the record, he wasn't he forgot to put the tendrils in a sideboard, so he had no win con. He'd go through his normal tur- storm turn, just completely as normal, cast a burning wish, and his opponents would scoop. <laughs> just assuming well, was, that I, he had it. Okay, the way I heard the story, I thought he had tendrils in the main. Um, and and so, like, it was just the burning wish wasn't live. But, um... Oh. No, I heard it as he just checked in 14 cards in a sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> e- <laughs> yeah. Either way. Yeah, make sure you have the tendrils in your sideboard. Make sure you're running the Imperial Seal. Yeah. And then I guess the second rule or second takeaway from that story is make sure that your opponents played out. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. or just show the... That's, that's the yeah, classic. If you're, it's also if a... you're going up against a Gitrog player, make sure that they're actually demonstrating the win and not, you know, make sure they know what they're doing and they don't also, forget some the, important card. That does whatever. remind me of a... Um... A story from the Yu-Gi-Oh days of basically the exact same thing, but um, when somebody would be at 800 and you have two level fours in play, you just put them on top of each other and say, Cowboy, win, and then scoop up <laughs> when you didn't have Cowboy in the extra deck. <laughs> oh, that's scummy. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, that wraps it up for deck choices and card choices. And next, on, next up, we're on to the current relevant meta. Uh, so there's really two categories, I guess, to look at, which is online, the online meta for online tournaments and the local meta for IRL tournaments. Rest in peace. Brackets, brackets. rip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they come back eventually. So we already 2022, here we go. Already I'm just excited for, this. like, you know, our Australian and New Zealand fans to all comment, like, we have local <laughs> events every Friday. <laughs> yeah. We get it. Okay. <laughs> Ugh. Our stores are open. Must be nice. So, I I don't think we can really speak too much for the IRL local tournaments because, you know, as we just pointed out, the current meta for that doesn't really exist. And even then, before Online that, all, all, all of our exist, IRL we kind of, we kind of were yeah. the meta, so yeah. it's like, it's a little... In fact, we didn't even meta. have... Experience. We had two v two tournaments that were yeah. far more popular. Uh, don't so. even. I'm getting sad. Don't bring it up. <laughs> I miss two v two. Yeah. So online tournaments. Uh, online meta. How do you how do you determine what the relevant meta is, uh, and what is it right now? Uh, it's Grixis, and you determine that by saying Grixis to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at tournament results. <laughs> Oh hey, look! It's Texas. Infrequently posted on Reddit, and I'm sure are in plenty of discords. Um, it's a it's a it's a data gathering task for sure. I mean, and, yeah. That being said, you know, don't just assume that like every you know the meta is just like an entirely homogenous thing. Yes, and that like oh well, if I'm ready for Grixis, I'm ready for everything I'm gonna see because it's only Grixis. Um, I think we've actually seen. I mean. Uh, at the last uh, tournament, like we've seen some tournaments that were Grixis dominated, but we've seen some that weren't um, in in recent memory. So, you know, you like data exists, but definitely take it all with a with a grain of salt, especially when it's not data being presented; it's someone's interpretation of the data being presented. Yeah, yeah. big time. And also, yeah, yeah, look for those assumptions for sure. So, like, 
I'd, I'd say like the two the two main components, honestly, of trying to determine what a meta is is what's the what's the deck to beat, which in current thing is Grixis Plus, and then what's the current spice, <laughs> which right now I think is stuff like what like Winota Magda, um, some like <laughs> some Simic stuff of some form or another, um, just like. The two components, the good thing and the thing that people currently like to play and is spicy and want to get results with. So once you've identified that Grixis is the meta, uh, <laughs> how do you take advantage of that? Or how do you, how do you, how do you use that knowledge to improve your, um, your performance in the tournament? So assuming you've already picked your deck list and it's, let, let's say it's, you know, all right into Grixis. I think there's one kind of important thing, and it's generally something you should do for any deck, not just the most popular decks in the meta, and that's familiarize yourself with the deck lists and how these decks work. Um, one thing that really separates when you're when you're when you're in sixty card and you're you're going at a, at a GP and you know you can't. There's some information that, that happens pregame now that there's like companions and stuff like that, but. Usually, one thing that you should try and do is narrow down... Like, as soon as you see the first land, uh, and you can get a good idea of what the deck is, that's, like, a level of knowledge that's going to really... Um, that's really going to help you in, in the tournament. And the same thing is with CDH, except we already know what people are playing when we sit down, because we can see their commanders. But what you need to do is you need to understand what the decks are doing. And what that right? so, means for your current game. As well, yeah, as the big I, I kind of want to bring this back to deck choice, and you can kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone. If you aren't necessarily comfortable with the deck, then just practice a bunch of decks, and you'll you'll find both the deck that you're you know best able to pilot, and also familiarize yourself with the standard deck lists. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like so if you can, one one thing that I like to do, and and when I played, um, I think it was like a couple of years ago when I was playing a lot of uh, Magic. I was playing um, with, uh, I think, Redshift or someone, and I would, whenever someone would make a, would tutor for something, I'd basically call out kind of what the tutor target was. And some of that is like a bit of mental trying to mess with people, but if you can, if you can kind of narrow down what you think they're going to be able to tutor for because you have such intimate knowledge of the deck and you're able to read the game state, um, that that is very useful. You know, narrowing down the amount of cards that you potentially need to play around to you know a select few is very very useful uh and it, it can you know to be like wow okay i think you know this is a good opportunity for my opponent to tutor up an opposition agent or hull breacher uh you know i should probably hold up my uh counter spell or removal uh just in case you know it, if you're if you're under the impression like well they just spent this demonic tutor it could be literally any card in their deck uh, so I really can't play around anything. You're you're at a severe disadvantage. So yeah, study the decks, uh, understand how they're trying to, what their game plan is, how they're trying to execute it. Um, that way you can best counteract it. Yeah, I no, do like, think though that like at an even more basic level than like making soul reads and like knowing what your opponents are likely to do inside of the game is just like having basic knowledge of like the relevant decks in the format of the staples that they play, so what you can expect them to have access to at any given point in time, um, the win cons, how they're winning the game, what, like, basically what those win cons can and can't 
went through, and then the key interaction points. And those three things will really give you the tools to work with to be able to like make proper decisions in really most games. Is just like how the decks function. Great. Yeah. That that being said, I mean, first of all, don't make soul reads. Make brain reads. <laughs> um, but like, you know, when you think someone's tutoring for something, it should be because you have a logical chain of thought for like okay, here's the position they're in, here's why this card would be, like, good. Um, and also evaluate, like, you know, you can evaluate potential tutu targets based on their their threat to you as well. Um, like, some things, it's like, I don't care if they found this, really. Um, you know, the classic is, like, they tutored for a toxic delusion. I'm not playing creatures. Like, I don't care. I hope they cast it and, like, hurt my other opponents or, or something like that. But, um... I think it's also important, you know, we're, what we're talking about is, like, ideal tournament prep. So, yeah, if you knew every deck you're going to come up against sort of intimately and, you know, you're, you're reading what they're tutoring for and you, you know, like, are predicting their plays, like, yes, that is absolutely going to help you win tournaments. Um, but it's certainly not, like, necessary. You don't, you know, you don't have to, like, play CEDH like it's a full-time job um, and, you know, play every archetype and every deck and you know get reps in with all of them to be able to do well in a tournament just like some of the most basic things is probably enough like if you know what their win cons are and how to interact with them and then you have a basic awareness of like some of the most common um things not to walk into like a like you know opposition agent and hellbreacher like okay they just tutored and then passed with three mana up interesting you know like that that's usually enough to avoid, you know, like a catastrophic, um, a catastrophic, you blowout know, playing or blowout or, or yeah. yeah, like, so, yeah. you know, definitely get the big things down before, you know, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Definitely don't spend all your time, like, trying to get every single detail memorized perfectly. You know, if you have a basic understanding of what everyone else is doing, that's enough to do decently well. Oh, cool. So on to the day of the tournament itself. What what should we do? Wear a watch. <laughs> and yeah, t time management is a is a big one, and the that starts by showing up on time. <laughs> <laughs> now that being said, remember that at a competitive REL event, and I've taken advantage of this multiple times. As long as you're registered, you only get a match loss ten minutes after the round start. They can't. Your opponent can't go to the judge five minutes after round start and say, "Hey, my opponent's not here. Can you get a match loss?" They have to wait the ten minutes. So don't panic. You can get a friend to sign you up and get there late. <laughs> but that, like that don't being said, plan don't. for that. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what happens because of you know, I mean, not these days, but like a subway outage yeah. or whatever, then yeah. That being yeah, that being it's, it's it's there to be taken advantage of in reasonable circumstances. That, that being said, don't do that. Get there on time. Probably like hopefully at least like half an hour ahead of time. Um, make sure that you're there. You're set up. Good to go. Make sure you're there, and then you know, make sure that you show up. You know, nine minutes after the the round starts, just to put your opponent on tilt. Yeah. You know, for the uh, you know that that slight Sorry, psychological advantage. just on time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Next and then oh sorry I, I have to pile a shuffle because I just yeah. 
yeah, and then yeah, next we've got be polite, which this is actually it's just it, a good life rule, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a bad one to just like <laughs> when you're interacting, especially when you're interacting with people you don't know. It's like just generally good advice. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I thought you were gonna finish that with, especially when you're interacting with other people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just other obviously. <laughs> I mean, it feels like that would, that would have been pretty hypocritical. <laughs> um, yeah, so after you finish your burger, wash your hands yeah. before shoving Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the burger grease all over their sleeves. I love that. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, be, being polite is definitely the first... Like, it's not the only part of effective communication, but it is a part of effective communication. Um, and certainly poor communication and sloppiness uh, are things that can can have you know can make your results worse in more ways than one especially especially this is a, actually a huge difference in cdh versus 60 card 60 card you can actually just be like the shittiest person that you would like to be and it doesn't actually matter because it's really just about the actual play patterns in the game your relation to the table at cdh does matter <laughs> in like a large number of games and if people think you're just being a dick or you, like they have read on you or they just don't like you and just don't want you to win there's a very real chance that your shit just gets countered yeah (laughs) yeah Um, yeah it's it's not even necessarily conscious for a lot of people but it's just like you know when they're making subconscious evaluations of the game state um you you don't want to give them any reason to be influenced against you right yeah like, so be ideally, nice to judge I, staff too dude yeah definitely be nice to judges Um, i've been at some gps where you hear people you know calling judges and it's you you almost hear like a disdain in their voice they're saying it like they it's yeah just be loud be nice um i like the ones who call judge like they've been stabbed (laughs) that's that's my favorite pastime that's what i'm gonna get back to as soon as we can go back to gps or like you walk by you walk through gps and you hear some people just like they're talking with judges and you're like oh god (laughs) why you could not pay me enough to be a judge at this event that's a person yeah um yeah and who would have thought that you know four canadians on a podcast would tell you to be polite, <laughs> be polite everyone yeah, no, right? judge please yeah no. um yeah so i guess we can we can move on to uh you know slightly more <laughs> thing you know yeah, slightly relevant. less <laughs> yeah more game relevant, um this is actually a big one that like i am always a huge proponent for like a hundred percent of the time because it's it's something to like that is very easy to slip on if you're not paying attention to it um but literally just playing tight don't make snap decisions and thinking your plays through because like i truly believe that mechanically tight play i.e tapping mana correctly ordering your plays correctly like draw first <laughs> draw last omega lull <laughs> um just like thinking your plays through not tutoring prematurely uh casting all your stuff in the right order making sure that you're playing the right lands on the right turns making sure that dude like, i feel God. like you missed the first step which is just look at the board yeah that too like onboard tricks um, man oh, just yeah. God. like don't even commit to an idea because if there's an onboard yeah, trick. mechanically tight play is like really is like one of the easiest things to get sloppy on but it like actually has one of the hugest effects on your win rate you can imagine of just like missing simple things missing the onboard trick not doing things correctly realizing halfway around the turn cycle that you're like oh shit i didn't really read like i didn't leave the right man enough i don't have my double blue for my counter spell shit um 
just like making sure that you're not just doing those making those snap decisions and making just like those minor misplays adds a huge amount to your consistency well one of the things is that if you look at 60 card you know they talk about it all the time you know burn players they just don't have to use their brain a lot so they don't get fatigued at the end of the day or at the end of swiss right it it's kind of the same in in cdh in your if you're doing a long tournament if you're playing a deck that you're not familiar with you have to use a lot more brain power to make sure that you're you know upkeeping this tight uh mechanical play and it's it's difficult you know it, it it's easy to do it for maybe game one game two but you know by the end of the day it's just your your beat and you know, it's uh how you're keeping track of all this stuff it's very easy to make to let these simple mistakes slip through so you know it really does in mechanical tight mechanical play starts well before the actual day of the tournament it starts with being familiar with your deck so that you know you don't have to think so hard and it's it's easier on your on your brain and also building good habits oh uh, yeah during which practice is, or just casual games yeah 100 percent. so one thing that uh and i think a lot of us do is no personal take backs right in in games there's you know it's like oh i i fetched incorrectly or i did something i personally hold myself to a rule of no take backs because i want to be conscious of my player because there's no take backs in tournaments so well treat if you start treating exactly true okay but Um, as a general rule so just don't uh if you if you start treating your practice games or your just fun games you know don't don't be like super sweaty and try hard and you know trying to scum your opponents out of wins or something when there's nothing on the line but you know Treat it with an air of seriousness, as if you're preparing for a tournament. Um, you know, make try and make tight play. Tap your lands. Do do tap correctly. Leave your, your correct mana open. Just do all those micro decisions before. Build them as a habit, and then you're less likely to make those mistakes on the day of the tournament. Yes. Yeah. The politeness of your you know play group isn't a mechanism to play mechanically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I would also say like you know we. It is important to think your plays through. You don't just sort of want to be, like, firing things off. But uh, I think one of the most important skills is to think on everyone else's time. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big one. Because, yeah, what, what you don't want to do is, like, okay, you you saw a game state. You're going around the table. Nothing hugely impactful is changing. Okay, someone played a land. You know, they cast a dork or a man of rock. Like, okay, this person cast their Thrasios. And then you get to your turn and you draw a card and it's not a hugely impactful card. And then you start evaluating all the lines of play that are available to you. It's like, okay, really? You could have evaluated 90% of these lines like before it got to your turn. And then it's like, okay, oh, I drew Demonic Tutor. Okay, I have to reevaluate. Is there something I can do with this turn that I couldn't do before? It's like, okay, I drew a land and I already had a land in hand. All right, let's execute the plan that I figured out was the best plan, you know, on my opponent's last turn while they were fetching or whatever it was um because like again you don't need to sort of think like you don't need to only start thinking once you have all the information and the other thing is that um from a threat assessment perspective if you spend a really long time thinking in your main phase like in my mind i go like okay they're just short of winning. Yeah. Or like they, 100%. you know, they think that like next turn they can try and win with counterspell backup. 
or they're, so they're like, evaluating, do I want to go for it right now? Like, yeah, they can exactly. win, or they want to sandbag for a bit. So, like, you... That being said, if you're deciding between taking a long turn to think about trying to win and then not trying to tip your opponents off, I feel like it's better to lean on, take your time, think it through. Right, but I'm saying, like, but if, on, if you're trying to win, that's correct, but not if you're not trying to win in the, like, immediate term, but you still, like, spend a really long time to evaluate a whole bunch of potential plays that you probably could have evaluated before your turn, it's just going to make your opponents, the ones who are paying attention, are just going to focus on you, and that's definitely something you don't want. And I guess cool. this, yeah, this ties in with the next one, which is be mindful of the round timer. Um, CDH tournaments definitely haven't settled on what the round timer should be. A lot of them do ninety, some of them do seventy-five. Um, I've seen a and couple particularly with 60, on, which is like yeah, yeah, particularly on seventy-five. Um, if you're not playing quickly and the game is being slowed down by something, it's like very yeah, easy to get it's into going a draw. to go to time. Yeah, so you know, assuming you don't want that, um, just make sure that you're keeping your play moving along. Um, the occasional nudge to your opponents is not out of order. If they react really negatively, um, it might be time to call the judge. Um, just to give the nudge for you. Calling a um, judge is never explicitly a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. It's the, never be afraid to call a judge. Yeah. And uh, next we have announce your plays and be neat with priority. Yeah. It's... Which, being neat with priority, what? I feel like is as much of a courtesy to you as it is to your, uh, your pod mates. Oh, yeah, and it, I mean, it also makes it so you don't get into weird, fucky situations where, like, people thought there was past priority on this ad now, so they start resolving it. It's like, oh, hold up, and they've already flipped, like, three cards, yeah. and, like, now now everybody gets jerbies, and then you're around, like, you get three jerbies by the end of the tournament, you're just DQ'd, like, all right. <laughs> yeah. If you're thinking about a counter spell, at least announce that you're holding priority. Yeah. It's not worth the awkwardness of your opponent, you know thinking that they're <laughs> demonic tutor resolved and they pick up their deck immediately before you can tell them to stop. Yeah, and especially when, like, multiple things are going on the stack and you're passing priority, it's not a bad idea to specify, like, one of the things that I'll do, for example, let's say there's a Ristic study, right? And someone goes, like, I cast, you know, I cast Ad Nauseam. The Ristic study trigger, it gets to me, I'll say, like, I pass priority on the Ristic study trigger. Yep. So then it's like, it's very clear, right? I'm passing priority on this Ristic Study trigger. That doesn't mean I'm letting the Ad Nauseam resolve. That doesn't mean, you know, like, it means exactly what I said it means. Or if I just, if I so, say, like, you know, pass priority, if someone, you know, wasn't really thinking about the Ristic Study trigger, they might sort of think, like, oh, well, the Ad Nauseam's on top of the stack. And so it's just, like, make sure that every, you know, if your opponents always know what you're doing, then at the very least, it's not your fault. And you can always ask exactly what your opponents have done if you're not sure. Yeah. Also, um, another so one. So it's just something you can control. Another one with this is announce your targets on counter magic. Um, there's a lot of the time that you'll see counter magic wars happen, and people will just be okay. I'm gonna cast this ad nauseum. Dispel. 
mental misstep, force of will. Sorry, what are these all targeting now? So that we can actually know when it comes time for somebody to deflecting spot something. Or yeah, also potentially like, managing your targets thing. with counter magic yeah, as well. That too. <laughs> um, think about priority order. Just like <laughs> make but sure. But also, yeah. 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 It's just like the reason. Be oh, very clear with your plays and make sure that everything that is happening is fairly explicit when it matters. Obviously, you don't need to be super anal about this when somebody's casting a dork and passing turn, but anything like even slightly of note, especially in a tournament setting, um, you sh it should be very explicit what is happening. Yeah, and I would say err on the side of being being careful. Like, you know, y yeah. You can usually say, like, okay, I'm going to crack this fetch. If that's good, I'll find by you. I'll cast land where else. If that's good, I'll pass the turn. Like, turn one. Yes, you know, like, that. that's a very extreme example of things you're probably fine to shortcut, right? When, like, even, it, you know, people use, like, ad nauseum, or they used to use, like, flash as the example of, like, this spell is on the stack. That means the game, like... If this goes the wrong way, the game's ending here. Maybe ad nauseum is the equivalent of that now. Um, like, for things in the middle, I would I would generally err on the side of just assume that it's worth it to be specific. Like, I'm guessing this heuristic study. Great. I'll pass priority. Yeah. Priority goes to you next. Okay, you pass priority. You have <laughs> yeah, priority. Like, you know, you pass heuristic study. Yeah. Or wheels, or even like. Yeah, you know, th things down to there, or, like, you know, Krom. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm whatever. casting Krom. <laughs> yeah, like... I'm I'm casting Tevesh. You have priority. <laughs> yeah, like, theoretically, you might waste a tiny bit of time, but um, you'll waste a lot more time if you, like, speed through something and then have to rewind, and then... Yeah. Uh, so, so, definitely only be, like, only be not neat with priority if you're, like, very confident that this is not, uh, you know, a time when people, when it's going to matter, like very, very confident. Next we have follow the rules, which is pretty self-explanatory. Pay for your Don't spells you? the correct amount. Yeah. I just want to make a little bit, I just want to like make a serious elaboration, which is just like the players are the rules and, you know, well, and the judge, but you know, if you, as long as you kind of all recognize that you need to, enforce the rules as a group then games go twice as fast yeah and and another thing with following the rules is making sure you know the rules i mean obviously you don't want to get penalized for breaking the rules that's goes without saying but also making sure you understand the rules means that um you don't want to get penalized for not breaking the rules um there are you know things that you can know that uh you know people not even necessarily intentionally often it's just they don't fully understand the rules um that people will try and like call you on you know like Lyndon said there are no take backs in tournament magic for example if you say uh, i play bayou uh, actually wait no i want to play tropical island that is assuming nobody else said anything you didn't cast anything no one did anything that is extremely legal and like sometimes people will be like nope you played it and like i i genuinely don't think most of those people believe that you are actually allowed to take it back and they're just trying to like scumbag you i think they just 
think there's no take backs in tournament magic and think that you're not allowed to take it back. So, you know, knowing what your rights are, knowing whether or not you've passed priority, if something sort of gets rushed over or skipped, knowing when triggers are or are not missed, all of these things um, will definitely just, you know, add those few percentage points on. Um, also, another big one, just to tack onto the dunk get got and like make sure that you're sort of in a good place to be doing stuff is like any time before you're finished placing a spell onto the stack slash like finish the process of casting a spell you can take it back for the most part basically before you're done paying costs you do not have to continue paying costs on a spell and you can just say oh whoops haven't paid the cost yet that goes back to my hand which can be very useful for when you say something like I'm going to force a will that thing, and before you exile a thing, before you announce what you're exiling, somebody else is like, hey, no, don't do that. You could be like, oh, great, I won't do that because I haven't paid costs yet, so I'm going to put this one right back in my hand. Um, and that's a totally legal play that you can do even in, like, competitive REL. Um, and that you're not going to get caught by that because now you know that. <laughs> yeah, and also, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know the rules on something, uh, that's when you call the judge because... It will always be worse if you, you know, think you kind of know how this works and then you do something and then you call the judge because it's like, okay, this got weird. And then it's like, sorry, you did what? Um, and then, like, that's when you run into issues. So if you don't know what should happen according to the rules, just call a judge. And usually if... if the judge takes a little while getting there you can get an extension um but just don't you know don't haphazardly oh yeah you know we all think it kind of works this way so we're just going to go with that um because that can definitely go very wrong if you know a judge winds up getting called later on kind of in the same line yeah. of following the rules is kind of knowing what you're knowing what cards do Knowing the actual rules text on cards. Oh yeah, reading well, cards. That's a much more polite way of putting it than how it's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, RTFC, if you're, <laughs> if you're familiar with the term. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's plenty of oper there's plenty of times when you know if you're EDH is such a weird format where the the amount of cards that you need to know and we, the, is just insane. The amount of weird core cases that we run into in this format <laughs> between cards is just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, and we've got lots of shorthands, you know, someone plays, like, here's a, here's an example I was just thinking of, you know, your opponent plays an Elsor Shepherd. you know, maybe you've never seen that card before, and you're like, oh, what's that card do? And he's like, okay, well, my green spells can't be countered, this can't be countered, okay. Um, and and you're, you're thinking about maybe removing it or something, and you're like, yeah, it's okay, it's fine goes to his turn untaps uh you know taps all of his mana pumps up his things into five fives attacks you for lethal well his description of the card was probably accurate in his mind to what he was thinking which is what most people are generally concerned with right the non-counterable non-counterable clause but it does have extra text and i know you know playing arena and stuff there's so many cards now that have just infinite text uh questing beast I've I've so many times forgotten that damage can't be prevented, so many times, and I've gotten got by that 
you just just read the cards, understand what all the cards do. If if you know someone plays a card you're not familiar with, you can you say, oh, what's that? And they give you a brief description. Just ask to read the card. Just yeah. fully understand or, or the card the text yourself. Is yeah. not a bad uh, is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I encountered a situation like that in a tournament not that long ago where there's a bit of a miscommunication on what mausoleum secrets did, and it turned mm. out that it, a win potentially could have been stopped with a noxious revival by like. Noxious reviving a creature, so it didn't find the card it needed to find, um, and like someone did wind up reading the oracle text, but they were kind of talked over, and the person didn't hear it, and it was just a whole bunch of whole bunch of whatever, you know, and and so like just make sure you actually understand what the cards do, not sort of how people have shortcut the cards in their minds and yeah i mean again this is sort of another judge thing where never be afraid to call a judge and ask for oracle text of something <laughs> in like any situation Although, yeah specifically if your opponent very loosely provides a definition yeah, like yeah. or if it's an old printing and <laughs> the wording is ambiguous or whatever yeah it makes some tokens kill stuff <laughs> it does a thing <laughs> he's not wrong so before we get on to our final section, which is one-off tips, we have a couple more things we want to cover in Day of Tourney, which we have, we have here. We've got get a, have a good breakfast, have a good sleep, do some stretches, do some yoga, whatever, meditate. Now, the, here, we'll, we'll list them all. Just, well, fresh okay. fresh pair of socks. Well, let's list them all, then we'll break them down. Yeah, uh, don't get those extra pancakes. You know, Just get the like a single serving of pancakes. Charge your phone. Have a good shower. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Are, your phone's charged. Yeah, they, yeah. These escalate a little <laughs> call, bit. Yeah. Call your parents. Um, your phone's a, tell you them know, you a good charge. Them. Then just um, yeah. have an update. Uh, make sure will, you have an emergency contact. Make sure you have yeah. an emergency contact. Make sure that you have uh, notified your next of kin. So that's probably the, these not things necessary. that are are just help. You know, put you in the right frame of mind. Make sure that you're you've got enough energy. You're well rested. Your brain's functioning. Open open a window. I saw this this thing where uh, it was like a YouTube video where they were oh stale air how, yeah, it, yeah with, how it decreases, with CO two yeah, yeah, if, if the CO two level is like in, even in like bedrooms and stuff like it gets really high just like any closed so, room with that airflow yeah and your your cognitive function goes down like fifteen to twenty percent ridiculous yeah yeah open open a window get fresh air do these things and just you know, when you're when you're relaxed, calm, fed, not hungry, you don't have anything else going on, Stay you're just hydrated. gonna play better. Yeah, yeah. It's, it it helps a lot. Oh, the one for um, me, the one for me is always bring chapstick. I get so like my lips get so dry during long tournament days that like especially in like convention centers and stuff, with the air gets super dry. Um, just like any personal stuff like that, like if you know anything is going to annoy you if you don't have it on you, bring it. Listen, listen to put on your your playlist to pump you up before the uh, for your first game. You get, While you're playing a nice yeah. song to get you get you uh, the pod. do some air punches. It's probably not <laughs> a bad idea to bring something to do between rounds as well, especially if you're like not there with a, a group of people. Yeah, okay, Mister Smash Bros. Ultimate on Nintendo to... Switch in between yeah, turns sure. and yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, but yeah, these things these things uh you know. Might seem kind of trivial or like jokes, but no, seriously, it it can and will help. Um, okay, so some other one-off tips. What do what do we have? Um, so wait, wait, we need some like cheesy like 
if you want to be the best player you can be, you have to be the best you you can be. <laughs> there we go. All right. Wait, did we specifically mention hygiene or just say fresh socks? We did say no, shower, yeah, fresh socks and, yeah. and shower. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't be, don't be a smelly. Even to online, probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's an online tournament, just Dude, showering just feels good. On. Yeah, I yeah. do like prefer not to feel completely gross when sitting in front of a screen for eight hours in a magic tournament. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so for some of these one-off tips, so these first few ones are actually just like legitimately just come from experience of having been in a bunch of cdh tournaments and seeing the constants between all of them which are the couple that i have here and then i think uh matt has one as well but first of all you're always 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 100 percent of the time always in a cdh tournament going to be paired against a weird stack stack it's like playing in any legacy tournament you're always going to get paired against death and taxes except weirder like 100 percent weirder Someone has possibility. They're going to be playing. It's not even possibility storm anymore because that's too mainstream. They're going to be playing <laughs> some random shit. They're playing a Yixalid jailer in the main. They're doing. They're playing <laughs> three mana Thalia. They're playing some new stacks effect from like a, one of the last two sets that you've never seen before, and you have no idea what it does. And it's not good, but it's taking up the mental energy of you having to remember what it does every turn. Is what's it's, what's Keegan's favorite one? It's like Juntu stakes oh God, or something. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Juntu stakes <laughs> are fire. Somebody's you, you take that. Somebody at the table's no, somebody yeah, at the table's playing good, unique stone or Godfair yeah. statue, some shit. There's always going to be someone that you pair against that's playing that shit, so you have to be prepared for that. In fact, for a long time, whenever I was playing a blue list and tourney, um, I would always put a psych rift in it. Even if I never played with psych rift in testing or in like on rank ladders or whatever, there would always be a psych rift in the main deck come day of tournament because I knew that it would come in clutch in the weird stacks deck matchup. You just need to yeah. you need some way to get through to break through the ward of bones lock. Yes, no, legitimately <laughs> yes. <laughs> and actually, that psych rift, that single psych rift choice, has saved my ass so many times in tournament. It's not even funny. <laughs> just put psych rift in your deck is honestly not a bad head. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty in okay. fact, in fact yeah. that, that got upgraded to also putting in a force of vigor in my deck whenever I could because that card is also clutch against any like most weird stacks decks. Um. Yeah, watch out for mana maze. Yeah, let's continue our uh, <laughs> magic tournament situations generator impression. Um, <laughs> we've got, uh, you're always going to get paired against a frog player. It's going to happen. You should know how to interact with frog. For the uh, love of God, you should know how to interact with frog. It's not hard. <laughs> the thing, okay, well, hey, the thing guys, is, is that sometimes... players going to their end step with eight cards. <laughs> there's, there's often a very narrow window when you can interact... And sometimes people are too late. Yes, they're like, "Oh, I'm just gonna it. wait till they, till they're doing this thing." And it's like, "You buddy, you I missed gotta, it." I'm gonna wait until you... there's an Eldrazi Titan in the bin. No, you're not. Yeah. They have two. You're dead. <laughs> yeah, playing I, so uh, tight that they become loose again. That actually happened to me at the tournament. Someone I cast a Summoner's Pact, and then they let it resolve. And then I found a discard outlet, which I then cast. And then I discarded, the, and they knew I had a dredge card in my hand. Like, I didn't have Dakmore, but I had a dredge card. And then I started, like, dredging. I think it was Life from the Loam, right? I'm, like, dredging Loam, dredging Loam. Uh, and then I found the Dakmore, and then the person showed me a silence. I was like, <laughs> well, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you certainly cast a silence. That's that's happening. Um, so yeah, just make sure you know you interact at the appropriate time. Yeah, this this one is also this one's less about being able to interact with frog. I mean, obviously you should be playing like a removal spell at least, but you don't have to tech against frog. Just be prepared to know how to interact with it when the time comes. Uh, Matt. Indeed. And uh, on kind of a similar vein, but you don't actually have to know how to interact. Someone's going to be playing Mono Red, and someone's going to be playing Mono Blue. <laughs> and you might yeah, not get paired against them. stopping Goto is to counter the my Goto. My god, they're going to be playing them. <laughs> actually, Matt, uh, Magda is the new Mono Red hotness now. I don't know if you knew that. Be prepared. I, I did it. <laughs> Honestly, I think that Dargo Jessica is actually better than Magda. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the artifact dwarf stuff is like pretty fine for accessibility. Anyway. <laughs> um, what's our, our next one? I feel like this is really. Oh, I put this in. Oh, this was yeah. a super okay. offhand. Yeah. I just said, like, if there is a particularly wild opponent, um, you know, talk them because if if they go unchecked, they're almost certainly going to be king making someone else. Yeah, yeah it's they, definitely. So there's a sixty-six percent chance they're going to be king making somebody that's not you. So, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly like it's fine to like. It's some weird. There are fucked up Monty uh, Hall. Problem you know, there's like there's like the whole the whole there's a whole joke like never interrupt your opponent when they're making a mistake. <laughs> it's like that's very much no. not true in a four-player free-for-all <laughs> yeah. environment. Oftentimes, you want to interrupt your opponent when they're making a mistake. Like, they attempt a win, or, like, it looks like they're about to attempt a win, and, like, you're gonna spend your interaction, and then you're gonna die to, like, the next person in the turn cycle. Yeah, you know, ideally, they'd, like, cast their win and not get there, but uh, even more ideally, they don't cast it, because then you don't lose. So, don't be afraid to, like... Yeah. Manage information in a way that helps your opponents not make decisions that are really bad for both you and them. I'm not going to say the best decisions, <laughs> yep. because obviously you don't want them to make the best decisions for themselves, but there are often you can There's help your opponents make decisions ground, that are better usually. for you. And this, you know, kind of comes back to the uh, politeness point, too. Don't be a dick about it. Yeah, You're just decreasing your chances. Uh, you know, at getting the desirable result. But yeah, like, hey, this person's, you know, cast two tutors. Like, maybe they are going to attempt to win. You know, pointing stuff like that out is uh, it's not a bad idea a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, okay, next. Another one that almost any um, tournament player in any card game will tell you is don't change your deck the night before deck submission. <laughs> There's, God, I cannot <laughs> tell you the number of times when I've been up at, like, 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock playing games like just jamming games with somebody in some random bedroom somewhere going to like a regional tournament and I'm just like you know what I think I'm gonna make this package swap right now <laughs> and we're just gonna run with it for tomorrow <laughs> and just immediately regret it at the next day as soon as I like played the first round <laughs> just lock in your deck for like a, at least a day or like 12 hours before deck submission yeah go on to reddit competitive EDH and uh, sort by new, and then at 3 a.m. on the night before, just pick the first deck. <laughs> that comes yeah, out. take a piece of tech from it. Or... Yeah. Uh... 
<laughs> Whose is this? Yeah, well, we're, we're skipping. Oh, we're, we're, I mean, well, we, we already covered. We already yeah. covered. Bring water and healthy food. Yeah, have yeah. a good breakfast. Good yeah, sleep, snacks sleep. are definitely yeah. not a bad idea to have lined up. So this is also mine. Yeah. Meal trucks are um, expensive. Great one up. Preferably one that's really greasy. That's going to get on your your cards yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Or, or like uh, that'll get you on your something with cards. like neon orange dust you know like doritos <laughs> or cheetos just... um oh yeah this is mine um so yeah definitely make sure to bring your best anime waifu matching sleeves and playmat to tilt opponents um you know the best place to get started with mental warfare is yesterday but the second best time is now <laughs> <laughs> just get them yeah mismatch get basics get them uh, tilted early and often yeah. For all foreign cards irony. Yeah. Oh, um and- anything to get the slightest bit of edge oh my goodness love that. okay actually I, I feel like this episode is just my silent pet peeves episode <laughs> that i missed but man like foil sleeves are you kidding me oh foil art <laughs> like, sleeves? don't do that don't do that <laughs> how about how about how about new foil art sleeves that no no the trick is you bring is foil sliding apart you need foil sleeves and a wedge so you can tilt the reflection right into your opponent's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> bring, a, bring a lamp and put All it right, at the exact let's... right angle. And the final thing on this list, I wrote, respect the mid-power deck that will try and beat you to death. So, there are, there are t- and this, this kind of the broad rule here is just give decks the respect that they deserve, even though you might not think it. So, Someone plays some fringe CDH deck or you know some high power deck. You you can't just ignore it. They are in the pod and they are going to be doing things in the pod. So do devote some brain power to kind of analyzing what they're doing and realize that wow you know maybe maybe if I'm just answering all the uh, all these other players this this uh, this guy's just got this uh, deck full of mid range bombs is maybe going to take over the late game if things get you know stacked out heavily and you know. You can definitely lose games to someone just playing mid-rangey bombs, and if things have been, you know, locked out. So, be conscious of of how uh, these kinds of decks are going to play into late game, and you know, give them the respect they deserve. Same thing with like uh, new decks. This this tends to happen where uh, something like a Vanifar, uh, when it came out, Morgan, you went on like an eleven game win streak or something, right? I think it was nine, but yeah, yeah, it's. People, when when decks are new and they're obviously not like a top tier Thrasios, Timna, uh, Najila kind of whatever, it's it's not something that's obviously top tier. People tend to discount the decks, and they just kind of sneak by and, and just get free wins. And you see this happen a lot in tournaments, uh, where you look at the finals pod and you're like, what the heck is going on here, right? Why is there all this random crap? And a lot of times it's just it's kind of an unassuming deck that can sneak by sneak under the radar uh, because people just don't respect it. And a lot of the other decks are kind of just canceling each other out. So, yeah. Honestly, the, those pilots are usually generally the more prepared ones. Which <laughs> is kind of funny. Like, yeah. If they, like, I would find myself spooked by some off-meta confident person playing a deck like, more than anyone else. Absolutely. Okay. That wraps it up for... Our uh, advice. Does anyone have anything they want to add before uh, we move on? Yeah. Um, enter tournaments. I know we're kind of making it sound intimidating. Um, and but these are all... the first tournament you enter, you'll probably make some of these mistakes. I certainly know that I did. Um, but 
tournaments are hella fun and more people should attend them and just give it a try and you know learn from your mistakes also, if you make these are all i'll say when you make these roll these are all, i don't mean that in a negative these way these are all tips for like trying to win a tournament and like <laughs> most cdh tournaments honestly are free to enter so you don't even need to be really trying to win so don't really like be yeah. that worried about making these mistakes just enter have fun He's just trying to psych you so that he can scout. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about winning because Reed will take care of yeah. that for you. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> but if you really want to win, yeah, also, uh, yeah, snacks. important advice if you're in a tournament and you see uh, Morgan or Reed, they die first. You know, that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. And if you see me uh, and Morgan in the same pot, Morgan they're... dies first. I think they're trying to make a Yeah, Reed needs all the help uh, he can get. Comprehensive <laughs> rules for that. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no! I just, I, actually, I just, uh, I need us to be on equal ground after I kill myself with the Nadnaz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's time for everyone's favorite segment: gut check. Gut check. Yo, is that a gut? Gut check. Also, Reed, you're not allowed you to whisper. Always for bringing the energy, Morgan. <laughs> Reed, you're not allowed to whisper. That totally. It wasn't like, a whisper. It was an ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's even worse. That's just not allowed Morgan, in general. Morgan has full creative control over the uh, decibels of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just <laughs> that part. Any 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 uh, any gut check vocalization below th- minus thirty decibels is trademarked by Morgan. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so this week's gut check is: Who is your favorite MTG pro, or? I guess I I don't want to say like personality because I don't want I don't want just like YouTube content creators like or whatever. Somebody but who has like someone who's results. who's like known for playing tournaments because yeah. mine mine isn't necessarily like you know uh, MPL or whatever. But uh, yeah, no. okay, I got mine. Let me know when you guys are ready. Okay, I have an answer, and I'm gonna come up with uh, a second answer yeah. for when you guys reject my first answer. Nice. Okay, I want to give mine first in case someone was trying to steal mine. So wow, mine is gonna be. Gregory Hatch. You son of a bitch. <laughs> was that, <laughs> Morgan, was that yours? Yeah, that was the one that I thought people would reject. Yeah, dude. Gregory Hatch. Oh, God. I love watching his old videos. He's got a great video on... Uh, or There's a video of him against... He's playing his famous mono blue martyr deck against uh, God, I love mono mud. Blue I've seen that video so many <laughs> so times. Good. The commentary so many is times. fantastic on it. <laughs> Yeah, and and he's got there's a bunch of other ones, and there's one video where he's giving a deck tech on his uh, <laughs> artificial intuition. intuition. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah, uh, Gregory Hatch, hands down my favorite uh, favorite Magic Magic player. Okay, who's next? Honestly, I, I mine's easy. I don't really, I'm not like attached oh, to any particular pro, oh, but I certainly respect the deck decisions of of Reduke, but he does unfortunately sometimes tap. Experiments counterclockwise. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic. I will say, in the vein of Greg Hatch, because of that highlight, I do want to say that I really respect Gary Thompson, Jerry Thompson, whatever. Jerry, yeah, Jerry for yeah. the just for the uh, gameplay clip from SCG with the Hypergenesis versus Elves games, the Hypergenesis versus Elves match in Legacy. I haven't seen that one. It's from 2013. It is quite possibly some of the funniest magic I've ever watched. Where in the in the second two games, they're 
both players are keeping hands of like triple crater hoof two emeralds no lands no ways to make mana <laughs> because they're literally <laughs> he's hyper genesising and they're just both putting in permanence until the other person is dead i think the third game starts with neither player making a land drop for three turns <laughs> it is Damn. fantastic yeah, i like i like his his podcast he's got a great uh um, magic podcast for covers like modern and standard and all that stuff that being very, said very i will say that my favorite quote-unquote pro is uh caleb Durward. um he has some great results. I'm pretty sure he's the highest for the unofficial Magic Elo um, project. I think he's the highest ranked sealed player of all time, Elo wise, um, for tournaments. And he also pretty much single handedly got survival of the fittest band in Legacy, which I think is just great. Yeah, that's definitely a trophy. Nice. Okay, Morgan, who is your uh, non Gregory Hatch Magic Pro? <laughs> uh, I guess I'll. I mean, it's kind of a kind of a boring answer, but uh, I'm definitely a, a big fan of PV. He's just been so consistent for so long in so many different ways that uh, you know I definitely respect. Uh, he just turned a YouTube channel. He did. Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, you check should it check it out. It's really really uh, useful, very informative. Also, I yeah. feel like okay, <laughs> for those who aren't sure, Paulo Vito Demo de Rosa because PV is like. Definitely, you lose a lot of information when you shorten that name. PVDDR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paulo Vito. Like, like LSV is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that's all of his names and all in order, whereas, like, PV, you're dropping still, like, four, like, three more. Cool, cool. Um, so that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoNorthPod, via our email, IntoNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash IntoNorthPodcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, if you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slubber for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye. Peace. Have a good one.